From Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation, this is the podcast Wikiredia, wherein we read from start to finish, without comment or commentary, the Wikipedia entries that we find most interesting. Today's topic, the population bomb. The original Wikipedia page lives at www.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash the underscore population underscore bomb. Before we start, we want to know what your favorite Wikipedia pages are. Please send suggestions for future episodes to wikiredia at pm.me. This is The Population Bomb, Wikiredia episode number 207, date of production, March 17th, 2021. And I'm your host, Eric Gores. Let's get started. The Population Bomb. The Population Bomb is a best-selling book written by Stanford University professor Paul R. Ehrlich and his wife, Anne Ehrlich, who was uncredited, in 1968. It predicted worldwide famine in the 1970s and 1980s due to overpopulation, as well as other major societal upheavals, and advocated immediate action to limit population growth. Fears of a, quote, population explosion existed in the 1950s and the 1960s, but the book and its author brought the idea to an even wider audience. The book has been criticized since its publication for its alarmist tone and in recent decades for its inaccurate predictions. The Ehrlichs stand by the book, despite its flaws, stating in 2009 that, quote, perhaps the most serious flaw in The Bomb was that it was much too optimistic about the future, unquote and believe that it achieved their goals because, quote, it alerted people to the importance of environmental issues and brought human numbers into the debate on the human future. General Description of the Book The Population Bomb was written at the suggestion of David Brower, the executive director of the environmentalist Sierra Club, and Ian Ballantine of Ballantine Books. Following various public appearances Ehrlich had made regarding population issues and their relation to the environment. Although the Ehrlichs collaborated on the book, the publisher insisted that a single author be credited and also asked to change their preferred title, which was Population, Resources, and Environment. The title Population Bomb was taken, with permission, from General William H. Draper, founder of the Population Crisis Committee, and a pamphlet issued in 1954 by the Hugh Moore Fund. The Ehrlichs regret the choice of title, which they admit was a perfect choice from a marketing perspective, but think that it, quote, led Paul to be miscategorized as solely focused on human numbers, despite our interest in all factors affecting the human trajectory. End quote. Early editions of the population bomb began with the following statement, quote, The battle to feed all of humanity is over. In the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now. At this late date, nothing can prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. End quote. Much of the book is spent describing the state of the environment and the food security situation, 
which is described as increasingly dire. Ehrlich argues that as the existing population was not being fed adequately, and as it was growing rapidly, it was unreasonable to expect sufficient improvements in food production to feed everyone. He further argued that the growing population placed escalating strains on all aspects of the natural world. Quote, what needs to be done, he wrote, we must rapidly bring the world population under control, reducing the growth rate to zero or making it negative. Conscious regulation of human numbers must be achieved. Simultaneously, we must at least temporarily greatly increase our food production. Ehrlich described a number of ideas on how these goals might be reached. He believed that the United States should take a leading role in population control, both because it was already consuming much more than the rest of the world, and therefore had a moral duty to reduce its impact. And because the U.S. would have to lead international efforts due to its prominence in the world. In order to avoid charges of hypocrisy or racism, it would have it would have to lead, they would have to take the lead in population reduction efforts. Ehrlich floats the idea of adding, quote, temporary sterilants to the water supply or staple foods. However, he rejects the idea as unpractical due to criminal inadequacy of biomedical research in this area. He suggests a tax scheme in which additional children would add to a family's tax burden at increasing rates for more children, as well as luxury taxes on childcare goods. He suggests incentives for men who agree to permanent sterilization before they have two children, as well as a variety of other monetary incentives. He proposes a powerful Department of Population and Environment, which should be set up with the power to take whatever steps are necessary to establish a reasonable population size in the United States and to put an end to the steady deterioration of our environment. The department should support research into population control, such as better contraceptives, mass sterilizing agents, and prenatal sex discernment because families often continue to have children until a male is born. Ehrlich suggested that if they could choose a male child, this would reduce the birth rate. Legislation should be enacted guaranteeing the right to an abortion and sex education should be expanded. After explaining the domestic policies the U.S. should pursue, he discusses foreign policy. He advocates a system of triage, such as that suggested by William and Paul Paddock in Famine 1975. Under this system, countries would be divided into categories based on their abilities to feed themselves going forward. Countries with sufficient programs in place to limit population growth and the ability to become self-sufficient in the future would continue to receive food aid. Countries, for example, India, which were, quote, so far behind in the population food game that there is no hope, there's no hope that our food aid will see them through to self-sufficiency, would have their food aid eliminated. Ehrlich argued that this was the only realistic strategy in the long term. Ehrlich applauds the Paddock's, quote, courage and foresight, unquote, in proposing such a solution. Ehrlich further discusses the need to set up public education programs and agricultural development schemes in developing countries. He argues that the scheme would likely have to be implemented outside the framework of the United Nations due to the necessity selecting the target regions and countries, and suggests that within countries, certain regions should be prioritized to the extent that cooperative separatist movements should be encouraged. 
if they are an important if they are an important over the existing authority. He mentions his support for government-mandated sterilization of Indian males with three or more children. In the rest of the book, Ehrlich discusses things which readers can do to help. This is focused primarily on changing public opinion to create pressure on politicians to enact the policies he suggests, which he believed were not politically possible in 1968. At the end of the book, he discusses the possibility that his forecast may be wrong, which he felt he must acknowledge as a scientist. However, he believes that regardless of coming catastrophes, his prescriptions would only benefit humanity and would be the right course of action in any case. The book sold more than 2 million copies, raised the general awareness of population and environmental issues, and influenced 1960s and 1970s public policy. For the 14 years prior to the book's appearance, the world population had been growing at accelerating rates, but immediately after the book's publication, the world population growth rate began a continuing downward trend from its 1968 peak of 2.09% to 1.09% in 2018. Criticisms. The population bomb has been characterized by critics as primarily a repetition of the Malthusian catastrophe argument that popular growth will outpace agricultural growth unless controlled. Ehrlich observed that since about 1930, the population of the world had doubled within a single generation, from 2 billion to nearly 4 billion, and was on track to do so again. He assumed that available resources, on the other hand, and in particular food, were nearly at their limits. Some critics compare Ehrlich unfavorably to Malthus, saying that although Thomas Malthus did not make a firm prediction of imminent catastrophe, Ehrlich warned of potential massive disaster within the next decade or two. In addition, critics state that unlike Malthus, Ehrlich did not see any means of avoiding the disaster entirely, although some mitigation was possible, and proposed solutions that were much more radical than those discussed by Malthus, such as starving whole countries that refused to implement population control measures. Ehrlich was certainly not unique in his neo-Malthusian predictions, and there was a widespread belief in the 1960s and 70s that increasingly catastrophic famines were on their way. Predictions. The Ehrlichs made a number of specific predictions that did not come to pass, for which they have received criticism. They have acknowledged that some predictions were incorrect. However, they maintain that their general argument remains intact, that their predictions were merely illustrative, and that others' warnings caused preventative action, or that many of their predictions may yet come true. Still, other commentators have criticized the Ehrlichs' perceived inability to acknowledge mistakes evasiveness, and their refusal to alter their arguments in the face of contrary evidence. In 2015, Ehrlich told Retro Report, quote, I do not think my language was too apocalyptic in the population bomb. My language would be even more apocalyptic today, end quote. In the population bomb's opening lines, the authors state that nothing can prevent famines in which hundreds of millions of people will die during the 1970s and that there would be a substantial increase in the world death rate. Although many lives could be saved through dramatic action, 
it was already too late to prevent a substantial increase in the global death rate. However, in reality, the global death rate has continued to decline substantially since then, from 13 in 1,000 in 1965 70 to 74 to 10 in, one, in 1,000 from 1985 to 1990. Meanwhile, the population of the world has more than doubled, while calories consumed per person have increased 24%. The UN does not keep official death by hunger statistics, so it is hard to measure whether the hundreds of billions of deaths number is correct. Ehrlich himself suggested in 2009 that between 200 and 300 million had died of hunger since 1968. However, that is measured over 40 years rather than the 10 to 20 foreseen in the book, so it can be seen as significantly fewer than predicted. Famine has not been eliminated, but its root cause has been political instability, not global, a global food shortage. The Indian economist and Nobel Prize winner Amartya Sen has argued that nations with democracy and a free press have virtually never suffered from extended famines. And while a 2010 UN report stated that 925 million of the world's population of nearly 7 billion people were in a constant state of hunger... It also notes that the percentage of the world's population who qualify as undernourished has fallen by more than half, from 33% to about 16% in the time since Ehrlich, Ehrlich published The Population Bomb. Ehrlich writes, quote, I don't see how India could possibly feed 200 million more people by 1980, unquote. This view was widely held at the time, and another statement of his later in the book, quote, I have yet to meet anyone familiar with the situation who thinks that India will be self-sufficient in food by 1971, end quote. In the book's 1971 edition, the latter prediction was removed as the food situation in India suddenly improved. See The Green Revolution in India. As of 2010, India had almost 1.2 billion people, having nearly tripled its population from around 400 million in 1960, with a total fertility rate in 2008 of 2.6. While the absolute numbers of malnourished children in India is high, the rates of malnutrition and poverty in India have declined from approximately 90% at the time of India's independence, 1947, to less than 40% on 2010. In 2010. On 2010. Ehrlich's prediction about famines do not come to pass, although food security is still an issue in India. However, most epidemiologists, public health physicians, and demographers identify corruption as the chief cause of malnutrition, not overpopulation. As Nobel Prize-winning economist Amartya Sen noted, India frequently has famines, had famines during British colonial rule. However, since India became a democracy, there have been no recorded famines. Journalist Dan Gardner has criticized Ehrlich both for his overconfident predictions and his refusal to acknowledge his errors. Quote, In two lengthy interviews, Ehrlich admitted making not a single major error in the popular works he published in the, light, in the late 1960s and early 1970s. The only flat-out mistake Ehrlich acknowledges is missing the destruction of the rainforests, which happens to be a point that supports and strengthens his worldview, and is therefore, in cognitive dissonance terms, not a mistake at all. Beyond that, he was, by his account, off a little here and there, but only because the information he got from others was wrong. 
Basically, he was right across the board. End quote. Jonathan Last called it, quote, one of the most spectacularly foolish books ever published. End quote. Persistence of Trends Economist Julian Simon and medical statistician Hans Rosling pointed out that the failed prediction of 70s famines were basically exclusively on the assumption that exponential population growth will continue indefinitely and no technological or social progress will be made. In The Ultimate Resource, Simon argued that resources, such as metals, which Ehrlichs can extensively discuss in their books as examples of non-sustainable resources, are valued exclusively for the function they provide, and technological progress frequently replaces these. For example, copper was largely replaced by fiber optic in communications, and carbon fiber replaced a wide range of alloys in steel in construction. Simon also argued that technological progress tends to happen in large steps rather than linear growth, as happened with the Green Revolution. Hans Rosling, in Factfulness, demonstrated that fertility rate has significantly decreased worldwide and, more importantly, high fertility is a natural response to high mortality in low-income countries and once they enter higher-income groups, fertility drops quickly. According to environmental and environmental Stuart Brand, himself a student and friend of Ehrlich, the assumption made by the latter and by the authors of The Limits to Growth have been, quote, proven wrong since 1963, when the demographic trends worldwide had visibly changed. Showmanship One frequent criticism of the population bomb is that it is focused on spectacle and exaggeration at the expense of accuracy. Pierre Desrochers and Christine Hofbauer remark that, quote, At the time of writing The Population Bomb, Paul and Anne Ehrlich should have been more cautious and revised their tone in rhetoric in light of the undeniable and already apparent errors and shortcomings of Osborne and Voigt's analyses, end quote. Charles Rubin has written that it was precisely because Ehrlich was largely unoriginal and wrote in a clear, emotionally gripping style that it became so popular. He quotes a review from Natural History, noting that Ehrlich does not try to, quote, convince intellectually by mind-dulling statistics, end quote, but rather roars, quote, like an Old Testament prophet, end quote. Gardner says, quote, as much as the events and culture of the era Paul Ehrlich's style explained the enormous audience he attracted, end quote. Indeed, an appearance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson helped propel the success of the book as well as Ehrlich's celebrity. Desrochers and Hofbauer go on to conclude that it seems hard to deny that using an alarmist tone and emotional appeal were the main lessons that the present generation of environmentalists learned from Ehrlich's success. Social and Political Coercion On the political left, the book received criticism that it was focusing on the wrong problem and that the real issue was one of distribution of resources rather than of overpopulation. 
Marxists worried that Ehrlich's work could be used to justify genocide and imperial control, as well as oppression of minorities and disadvantaged groups, or even a return to eugenics. Eco-socialist Barry Commoner argued that the Ehrlichs were too focused on overpopulation as the source of environmental problems, and that their proposed solutions were politically unacceptable because of the coercion that they implied, and because the cost would fall disproportionately on the poor. He argued that technological, and above all, social development, would lead to a natural decrease in both population growth and environmental damage. Commoner engaged in a fierce debate with Ehrlich on an environmental United Nations convention in Stockholm. Quote, A feud about how to deal with overpopulation surfaced in Stockholm between Ehrlich and his nemesis, Barry Commoner, whose popular book, The Closing Circle, directly criticized Ehrlich's population bomb thesis. Both were on panels in Stockholm, with Commoner slyly planting invidious questions aimed at Ehrlich among various third world participants in the conference, and Ehrlich yelling back. Commoner's argument was that population policies weren't needed because what was called, quote, the demographic transition, end quote, would take care of everything. All you had to do was help poor people get less poor and they would have fewer children. Ehrlich insisted that the situation was way too serious for that approach and it wouldn't work anyway. You need harsh government programs to drive down the birth rate. The alternative was overwhelming famines and massive damage to the environment. This is from Stuart Brand, The Whole Earth Discipline in 2010. Ehrlich's response. In a 2004 Grist magazine interview, Ehrlich acknowledged some specific predictions he had made in the years around the time the population bomb was published that had not come to pass. However, as to a number of his fundamental ideas and assertions, he maintained that facts and science proved them correct. In answer to the question, quote, were your predictions in the population bomb right, end quote, Ehrlich responded, quote, Anne and I have always followed UN population projections as modified by the Population Reference Bureau, so we never made predictions, even though idiots think we have. When I wrote The Population Bomb in 1968, there were 3.5 billion people. Since then, we've added another 2.8 billion, many more than the total population, 2 billion, when I was born in 1932. If that's not a population explosion, what is? My basic claims, and those of the many scientific colleagues who reviewed my work, were that population growth was a major problem. 58 academies of science said that same thing in 1994, as did the World Scientist's warning to humanity in the same year. My view has become depressingly mainline. End quote. In another retrospective article published in 2009, Ehrlich said, in response to criticism that many of his predictions had failed to come true, quote, The biggest tactical error in the bomb was the use of scenarios, stories designed to help one think about the future. Although we clearly stated that they were not predictions and that we can be sure that none of them will come true as stated, their failure to occur is often cited as a failure of prediction. In honesty, the scenarios were way off, especially in their timing. We underestimated the resilience of the world system, but they did deal with future issues that people in 1968 
should have been thinking about. Famines, plagues, water shortages, armed international interventions by the United States, and nuclear winter. All events that have occurred or still threaten. That's it for today's episode of Wikiredia. Look, before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, follow us on Twitter at It's Wikiredia, and tell your friends. What do you want to listen to? Send topic ideas to our email, which is wikiredia at pm.me. Our producer and narrator, that's me, is Eric Gorris. Our engineer is OJ Tingles, and our content editor is Johnny Rocketship. We ask you to support this show by following and sharing, but more importantly, just listening. We also ask that you do your part to support Wikipedia itself by considering a donation to the Wikipedia Foundation. That can be done at wikipedia.org. All, or at least the vast majority, of the words spoken on this show are from the text of Wikipedia entries, and we're using those words under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license, which grants us, and in fact anyone, the right to adapt the original work remix it, and then to distribute and transmit the work even for commercial purposes. This license requires that we name the author of the original work, which in this case is Wikipedia. Wikiredia itself is also distributed under the same Creative Commons attribution, Sharealike 3.0 license. Wikiredia is a production of Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation. 